The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. Well, I hope you are having a a great morning. We have a, a great show for you. Uh, Some surprises. Uh, There's a lot to cover. Later on in the show, uh, I have an interview with uh, the city of West Hollywood's uh, mayor pro tem council member, Sapi Shine. Uh, We talk about the unrest uh, in Iran following the murder of the 22-year-old girl by the Iranian Islamic government's morality police. So stay tuned for that. But before that, you know, I have my producer, Ricky Herrera, here, and we're going to go over last week, which was a big week for elections, obviously, and and other news items that happened just to sort of discuss and, uh, you know, get Ricky's uh, perspective on what's happening. So welcome, Ricky. Hey, Vic. Thanks for having me, man. I, I just got to say, this is like the fourth or fifth time Seppi's been on the show, huh? Yeah, Seppi is, a, you know, she's a mover and shaker in SoCal. She's in multiple Democratic um, organizations. She is a, she's an attorney. She's an Iranian-American uh, council member for West Hollywood. Uh, she's a progressive. So, you know, there's always things to talk to Seppi about. She always does a killer job when she comes on the show. So... Last week we had, last Tuesday, it was election day across the country, midterm elections. And the things that stood out to me was how close the mayoral race was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But what what stood out to you? Well, I think that's a really, um, really good one. And once again, we were reminded that, you know, money talks in politics because, uh, Karen Bass spent $10 million and Rick Caruso spent, from what I understand, we're over, well over $100 million on it. And so- $100 you know, million? Yeah. And he just sort of came out of nowhere. You know, I mean, not, no, I mean, people knew him, but not in politics, certainly. And now another sort of a developer that, uh, you know, thinks he can run LA. It's almost like the the Trump effect- I mean, you really wonder how much these guys actually care about civics and and politics. Because I think it gets to a point to where you make so much money that your concern actually becomes about a position of power. And yeah. that that that's what I always kind of got from Trump. I always kind of felt like he never really wanted to be president as much as he wanted the title. And I'm getting these vibes off Caruso. Yeah. And, you know, it's just the next big thing. They they conquer a certain industry, in his case, uh, developing, you know, shopping centers and whatnot. And then next thing you know, they, they think they can uh, get rid of homelessness, the homelessness issue. And I just love the way they talk about it, you know, during their campaigns. I mean, I personally don't think that uh, the challenge of the unhoused is just uh, something that can be solved by a mayor or a an administration. And yet, they just talk to people as if they're the solution, the only solution. We'll see where that goes. Um, another thing that stood out to me, I would say, is West Hollywood. Um, I'm sad to see that uh, city of West Hollywood went backwards and reelected some people that sort of didn't have 
the best of reputations and uh, were very much um, in the pockets of the developers and they were reelected again because they have money and they, they get funded very well by developers and hoteliers. Well, which are the same, basically, and other big, big, big business. And I'm certainly very happy that the, the big good news is that Dr. Oz was not elected in the state of Pennsylvania for U.S. Senate. Uh, he was just grossly underqualified. But uh, I also was not hot about the fact that he is a, an Armenian genocide denier. And I don't think there's there's place for Armenian genocide denier, denier of any kind of a genocide uh, in in Congress. It, it amazes me how high profile individuals can come to these conclusions. And I think we're always going to encounter these type of opinions. And I'm really happy that's kind of over with. But I, I want to get back to West Hollywood. I've, I have friends there. I've spent a lot of time there. Uh, from my viewpoint, it's a very uh, tight knit community in West Hollywood. And I'm just curious to maybe if you can uh, elaborate a little more in terms of the the city taking a, a step backwards, mm -hmm. I think, the mm -hmm. way you, you framed it. Sure. You know, for years, big developers have spent a lot of money to get people who are sort of doing their bidding into the city council, um, hotels also, and other big business. And this was sort of like just the way it was for years and years and years. And a couple of years ago, um, when Seppi was elected and John Erickson, um, there was a wave of progressives that came into the city and they did some really great things. They actually passed the highest uh, minimum wage in the country, in the city of West Hollywood. Uh, and they did a lot of advocacy for union workers, especially for uh, hotels and such, who were really working under horrendous conditions and being taken advantage of. And, and these progressive candidates, uh, or I should say council members now, such as SEPI, they are very union friendly. They're for the people. And they've, they've done some great work. And so a couple of the council members who had been voted out ran again. Of course, with uh, the blessing and support of the same developers and same big business and uh, hotel corporations and owners and such. And now they're back. And uh, some of them have pledged to basically saying they're going to they're going to roll back those sorts of changes. Um, it's uh, it's just, you know, West Hollywood is a very it's a West Hollywood is a, a maverick city. It's a city that leads in the nation. In a lot of things, it's the city that that was the first formal or formally LGBTQ city. Uh, West Hollywood was the first one to ban uh, the use of one-time use of plastic, uh, ban the sale of fur, uh, many, many other things that West Hollywood was first in the country. So this is kind of a step back. This is kind of a, it's just not a good thing for it. But, you know, once again, it just goes to show the money in politics and what it can do. A lot of times it comes down to who's spending more money and who has the support of big business. Yeah, I'm sure you and Seppi will uh, get into that uh, further later mm -hmm. into the show. Yeah, so back to the uh, the midterms. Uh, one thing I was really <laughs> disheartened by and kind of feel bad for these two particular candidates is uh, Beto O'Rourke and mm -hmm. Stace, Stacey Abrams losing right. again. Absolutely. Do you think they'll keep on the good fight? I can't fathom Stacey um, 
Abram's going away because she's really a force to be reckoned with. And she is, uh, you know, she's a good fighter and she is, she's already done some incredible things. Um, I'm sad to see that. And yeah, I hope so. I hope so because we, we need people like them. But, you know, whenever there's a movement, the counter movement is stronger. So we've had, um, you know, a blue house and a blue Senate. And uh, even in the governors, we've been blue for a while. So there's always that counter movement. But the good news is Republicans thought it was going to be a very red sort of a takeover, like a massive takeover. And that's definitely not the case. You know, of course, they made some gains and such, but. Um, it wasn't some sort of red wave, if you will, that they were anticipating and uh, sort of uh, advertising, if you will. Some of the major news sites as well, the states in particular, Texas and Georgia, those states will just perpetually see red. I don't know. Texas came pretty close to being blue last the presidential election. The thing is that you can't stop progress and you can't stop yeah. the new, newer generations. Newer generations are, I mean, I'm just going to say it, you know, let's get blunt. Newer generations tend to be more Democrats than Republicans. And, and you know, and let me just say this, uh, I'm sort of, I made no bones about this lately and that, you know, yes, I'm a registered Democrat and I've voted for President Biden, but I'm disillusioned with, uh, I, I don't want to say Democrats because I still um, support a lot of the members of Congress who are Democrats. Um, but when it comes to the Biden administration, uh, I'm very disillusioned by, the, by them and what they've done, specifically uh, in terms of their double standard of how they handle uh, Azerbaijan and Turkey's invasion attack on the Republic of Artsakh and Republic of Armenia uh, yeah. versus Ukraine. Of course, their their action on Ukraine is very, very well done and well warranted. But why couldn't that be the, the case with Artsakh and Armenia? Why is there a difference in a double standard uh, on how people are treated? So, you know, I, I just want to put that out there because I feel like I have to be, I want to be, very transparent and say, hey, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily agree with everything Democrats uh, do or every single Democrat. But uh, certainly, I, I do think that the newer generations uh, are going to be more Democrats than, than Republicans. And Republicans, I think, know that. Um, uh, so they're, you know, every every two years, every four years, their fight is even stronger to hold on to power with uh with what they have, because they, they do have good voter turnout. Yeah. Uh, so back to ballot initiatives last week, I was keeping an eye on. Were there any any measures you had your eye on? The marijuana one. Um, and I'm glad that it passed. Um, the mar marijuana? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, I'm all for legalized marijuana and um, definitely advocate for it. Um, so let's, let's tax it. You know, let's... Uh, treat it like uh, anything else. Uh, I know it's already well taxed, but uh, as it should be, I mean, cigarettes are as they should be. Honestly, I've, I've been so sort of hyper-focused on uh, District 13, LA District 13 and mayoral race and uh, Pennsylvania and such. Um, the measures haven't been really on my radar too much. And of course, West Hollywood. Um, yeah. what, what have you been sort of following? 
being a part of the sports industry as I am, I was keeping my eye on the props 27 and 26 about uh, sports gambling in California. Right, right. They took a big loss, um, which I'm not surprised. I think eventually the state will have legal sports gambling. The effect will be like the um, how marijuana was uh, you know, 10 years ago. They were trying to get marijuana legalized in California for uh, a couple cycles, and it didn't pass. And then it eventually did. And I think the same thing will happen with sports gambling in person and online. But I, I had my eye on that one because sports are, are so big in the country today, uh, just in terms of the, the game itself, but also these athletes being at the forefront of a lot of conversation and, and different narratives. I believe it was the first measure uh, regarding abortion. That wasn't um, a surprise. Right. And... But overall, I think it was a good day for Los Angeles. Yeah, with a few exceptions, it was a good day for sure. Any uh, closing thoughts? No, I just want to thank you and thank Sefi again for coming on to the show. Oh, and uh, and your boy, Robert Luna. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very happy for him. And yeah, I'm yeah. I'm glad you mentioned you. him because that was, a, that was a really great thing. Of course, we all kind of knew because he was so popular that he was going to win, but I'm really happy for him um that he's going to be our new sheriff and uh well he yeah, genuinely sure. just sounds like a like a good guy yeah for sure you get that sense from him and his uh sort of transparency um and such um we needed we needed a change in uh in the LA sheriff uh for sure and yeah um if you're listening stay tuned for uh, my interview with uh West Hollywood uh, Mayor Pro Tem, Sepi Shine. We're going to talk about uh, the latest developments in Iran, the unrest, uh, and what Sepi calls a revolution. Um, this would be another revolution since the 1979 uh, Islamic Revolution uh, of Iran. Um, thank you, Ricky. This is great. Uh, until next time. Let's get blunt. On today's Let's Get Blunt, I want to bluntly express my satisfaction that Dr. Oz did not win uh, the Senate race in Pennsylvania, uh, among many other reasons why I think he was um, not qualified to be a senator. But the one that hits close to home is the fact that he's an Armenian genocide denier. I can't fathom uh, why he even went this far to become a candidate for U.S. Senate, uh, someone that is uh, denying the Armenian genocide, something that's been recognized by uh, Congress, both houses, House of Representatives, uh, passed the Armenian Genocide Resolution Act in 2019 uh, almost unanimously, and then the Senate passed it a month later unanimously. And of course, President Biden uh, recognized the Armenian genocide formally last year. So why Dr. Oz even got to this point um, and almost got elected, I don't know. But, you know, we've got to look at the power of uh, denial and more so its impact and the trauma it causes people. Now, one just says 1.5 million Armenians that were uh, massacred during the Armenian genocide, but each one had a life. Now, just imagine if 
your family member was killed by someone and that person spent the rest of their life denying it and rewriting history and then multiply that by you know one and a half million and that's the kind of impact that it has and it still haunts the armenian people worldwide since the 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 country that did this you know the modern day turkey the ottoman turks uh, are yet to recognize it in fact they keep uh, denying it so um we've, we're gonna have to talk about this as long as we have to talk about it um, until you know genocides are recognized and addressed and people are not allowed to rewrite history. So, yes, I am I am very happy that Dr. Oz did not get elected uh, because I don't think he had any place to be in the U.S. Senate. There it is. I'm getting blunt. Let's get blunt. The Blunt Post with Vic. Mayor Pro Tem Seppi Schein made history in November 2020 when she was elected to the city of West Hollywood's city council. She became the first out LGBTQ Iranian elected anywhere globally and locally became the first woman of color elected to the West Hollywood City Council. Mayor Pro Tem Shine is an attorney, a lifelong activist, uh, serves on dozens of boards and committees and is a delegate to the California State Democratic Party. All right, good morning and uh, welcome to the Blunt Post with Vic. We have... Uh... West Hollywood Mayor Pro Tem, Sefi Shrine with us. Uh, welcome, Sefi. Hi, Vic. It's so good to see you and always good to be on your show. You also. There's a, a lot going on and uh, will continue uh, to be going on until the end of the year, obviously. But, um, you know, I just want to check in with you, um, discuss things that are sort of on top of your plate, but also more specifically about what's happening in Iran. Uh, you are... Uh, an Iranian-American, and so, you know, obviously, if you are in the middle of it and know what's happening, a lot of us are uh, following the developments, but I wanted to get your perspective on on this sort of, like, probably unprecedented level of unrest that's happening in Iran since the 1979 revolution. And for those of you who are listening and are wondering what I'm talking about, if you're not aware, a young a Kurdish Iranian girl, uh, 22 years old, uh, Mahsa Amini, was uh, arrested by the morality police because her outfit, etc., what she was wearing, did not quite uh, hit the mark with them. And in custody, she was uh, beaten and killed. Of course, the police uh, claim otherwise and say there was a um, you know, medical condition she had, et cetera. And that was the reason, but it's not. And so, uh, you know, there's been a, a very large scale uh, unrest and protest throughout Iran uh, for this. People are um, sort of fed up, especially women who are demanding their rights and freedom and uh, ends to this sort of oppression. It's been going on, um, you know, for weeks. Uh, the incident happened on September 15th when uh, she was killed, and it just continues. So, Seppi, let me start with this question. So, in 2019, there was uh, another unrest in Iran that was sort of, you know, a very large scale, but it was mostly contained in Tehran, the capital. Uh, what do you think is the difference this time? Well, the difference is I think the Iranian people have gotten to uh, a breaking point of sorts at this point after 
uh, going through the pandemic after uh, 80 to 90% of the country is in poverty, um, after all of the debilitating sanctions that unfortunately ended up hurting the Iranian people more than anything. And they're fed up, they're done. They were done, Massa Amini and her murder was the straw that broke the camel's back. And um, this is now a revolution. Started as protests. It's very different as far as the passion of the people, the fact that women are just, women have been using their bodies as shields with zero weapons. Men, young men, and all sorts of men are standing up and fighting alongside the women as well. And what's also different is throughout the world, people are standing up for uh, the women of Iran. And certainly I was uh, the first council member in LA County to adjourn in memory of Massa Amini. And I posted on my Instagram, it's got 85,000 views. And then uh, city of Beverly Hills passed a resolution and all these other cities, you know, there's been protests here and um, people rising up in solidarity and sharing and this is really the breaking point. It's time. It is, it's been 43 years of human rights violations against the people of Iran. And it is time for this Islamic regime to be removed for good. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and I am speaking with City of West Hollywood Council Member and Mayor Pro Tem Seppi Shine. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, um, I am very impressed by the international community's response uh, with the solidarity. Uh, people get it. It's not a difficult, uh, you know, subject to describe to people what's happened. I guess I'll, I'll get to the toughest question I was going to ask you first, because you know, it's sort of, you know, I was reading about the how defiant the officials are in Iran. How today they were talking about how the punishment for uh, people protesting is going to be very swift and they're going to, you know, do this and do that. And they seem very defiant and just very confident, uh, even smug, as to where this is going to lead. Do you think that there will be a regime change? Do you think there's a chance for that? Yes, I do. I do. Okay. Um, it's obviously a question of when. Um, it is very, very close now, much closer than ever. And they've always been defiant. They're brutal evil people that have uh, been masquerading as Muslims and they are not. They have tainted the Muslim faith. I don't, I'm a Muslim and I'm sorry, I don't consider their brutality to be aligned with the Muslim faith. And they are being defiant because they think that that fear will quash what's happening and uh, that's why it's important for the international community to continue sharing because that is giving courage to the people of Iran and they are so close to freedom now and I don't think it's going to ever go back. Well, I'm glad to hear that. You were very clear on where you stand on that. Um, you know, it's uh, sort of those of us that have seen not just in Iran, but other nations where it's come so close and, and sort of been squashed as, as it has in the past. Um, have sort of, you know, fear. Aside from solidarity on sort of a vocal basis and such, uh, is there room for the international community to support the movement, like in a substantial yeah. way, and the women and just everyone who's trying to do this? 
Yes, in many ways. I always say first, call your Iranian friends and check in on us because this revolution has really brought up a lot of trauma that has, especially for Iranian Americans, you know, I was five when my family and I fled Iran after the revolutionary war. And I've always talked about my story, but I've never faced my feelings and all of the childhood trauma that came from being a little girl and having my childhood taken away because of this Islamic regime and um, the war and uh, the trauma that came from that. But first call your Iranian friends and check in on them. Every single Iranian is, is really facing the feelings that we have kind of avoided for so long. Secondly, we urge people to call their congressional representatives, uh, their local councils, ask them to pass resolutions, ask your local council members to put pressure on electeds in higher office, because we have, as an elected, we have that power to take action. Myself and uh, 13 other female Iranian electeds, electeds across America uh, released a statement um, and signed on and asked for a call to action. And um, what we asked for is uh, we agree with the Biden-Harris administration that all discussions on the JCPOA should be paused. And instead, the American government should provide assistance in maintaining Internet access uh, so that the people of Iran can continue to expose the injustices of their daily lives. Um, we urge everyone to keep amplifying the demands and the will of the Iranian people. Secondly, we urge citizens to call their federal representatives and ask them to push for a UN investigative mechanism for crimes against humanity committed by the Islamic Republic. It's also imperative that the Islamic Republic be immediately removed from the UN Women's Commission. Um, and we've been urging the Biden administration. And as a result of that, Vice President Kamala Harris has uh, requested this same that uh, from the UN that Iran be removed. So that's in process. And we really want to make sure that at the end of the day, uh, it is uh, the Iranian people that are in charge of their own destiny and freedom. So, you know, some people think, oh, America should go in and with planes and, and start a war. And that's not what we are um, interested in. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and I am speaking with City of West Hollywood Council Member and Mayor Pro Tem, Seppi Shine. Well, that's pretty substantial and very clear um, and very peaceful, right? I mean, it's a solution uh, that's... Um, it's a solution based on solution and not sort of being stuck in the problem and sort of fanning the flames and really supporting people. I, I mean, I, what grasped, you know, grabbed me most was keeping the internet alive because we know the power of the internet and how uh, people can communicate and, and uh, organize and galvanize uh, by mm -hmm. using, uh, you know, just whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatnot. And also I like the human rights factor and I can't believe that uh, Iran's uh, current regime is on the UN's women's uh, committee. I mean, I mean, mm -hmm. the irony there, you know, it's just uh, mm -hmm. unbelievable. It just seems like we're in a period when we're starting to hold certain, certain, certain uh, rogue regimes accountable, like Putin's regime and, and now Iran's current regime, but not others, but it's okay, one by one. Iran definitely needs a break. Uh, Iranian people need a break. 
from what they've been enduring for 40 plus years since 79. What do you think is um, not happening that should be happening? I think major media um, news organizations need to cover this a lot more. That's something that's not happening enough. Most of the activity and information is coming through social media mm -hmm. and um, independent, independent news organizations such as yourself, The Guardian, et cetera, major networks. It took them a long time to cover this and more needs, more coverage needs to happen because this is really the biggest women's rights movement, actually, of this century. Yeah. I, I mean, and I just rights. don't understand. <laughs> it's laughable that Iran has a population of what, 70 million plus, something like that. I mean, mm -hmm. this if this isn't newsworthy for uh, Associated Press, Reuters, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, you know, to cover them, what is BBC, um, you know, Sky News, CNN, etc. I mean, this should be covered constantly. This is a major, major uh, development. Um, yeah, I just don't understand what they're, you know, they rather cover Prince Harry and the royal family's rift every five minutes, apparently. That's that's well, more important. Well, it's rooted in colonialism and um, these networks are owned by, um, by mostly white men and they don't have a, a, a uh, stake in this. There's mm -hmm. no power for them to yeah. cover something like this and uphold. They, they'd rather uphold systems of oppression, which is why um, the art suck <laughs> and the brutality um, yeah. that Turkey and Azerbaijan committed a, once again against the Armenian people has not been covered. Um, yeah. So it's, exactly. it's it's part of the same story, except that the pandemic and everything that people have gone through has shifted consciousness in people. And we are not going to uh, be part of that same story. And stories are shifting and people will people will not people in structures of oppression are not going to be able to hold up anymore. Yeah, I hope sooner than later. Did I hear you right? And you're right, absolutely, about Artsakh. Uh, and I didn't want to talk about my project or Artsakh or anything like that, but you're right. I mean, same thing with, you know, a year and a half before Ukraine, 5,000 plus Armenians were massacred in 44 days by Azerbaijan and Turkey, and yet the world is just completely clueless about it. You know, there you have it. But did I hear you right that Guardian has covered Iran well? Yeah, um, I saw at least a couple of articles. It's good to hear. The reason I ask you is that the same thing with the Artsakh invasion. Guardian was Guardian and Forbes were the two outlets that actually covered it well. Uh, I'm I'm just surprised. I'm not well. I mean, I'm just impressed. And I think it's it's good to point them out and to highlight them and say, hey, thank you for doing a a good job. Um, unlike others where they just completely ignore it or they. You know, they just regurgitate propaganda. Um, so go, you know, go Guardian. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and I am speaking with City of West Hollywood Council Member and Mayor Pro Tem, Seppi Shine. Seppi, before we move on to, to next, like anything about uh, the current situation in Iran that you'd like to add or any information or maybe even a shout out or call to action? Yeah, well, one thing I do want to say is what's really scary right now, you know, over 300 people have been, uh, protesters have been murdered, and now the Iranian uh, government is 
uh, taking a really hard leg stance. Apparently they've arrested 14,000 protesters and are talking about putting them all to death. Wow. Yeah. So that is something to really, for everyone to really think about. And um, if you haven't been engaged, please get engaged in this. And call to action, again, really repeating everything that I had already asked for. Um, uh, continue sharing, continue sharing, continue sharing. Um, and talk to your, let the independent news outlets or Iranian folks be your source of information. Because there is so much propaganda and misinformation, unfortunately, now in the news. And just because you don't see it in the major news doesn't mean it's not happening. And also, um, you know, get on Twitter and tweet to these is these big news organizations like uh, AP and Reuters, yeah. uh, New York Times, Al Jazeera, and demand that they cover it uh, because it's it's just a matter of numbers. You know, how many people really shame them? I hate to say it like that, but that's what it takes. Uh, and also the human rights organizations throughout the world, you know, put them on the spot and make them earn their pay. After, at the end of the day, we are paying to be a member of the United Nations. And so United Nations is a human rights organization within it, and they need to intervene uh, and not allow the killing of these 1,400 people. Same thing with Human Rights Watch, um, Amnesty International, Human Rights First. But, you know, there's so many that get government grants and funding and et cetera. And unless you, you push them, they're going to work on something else. 14,000, by the way. 14,000, I'm sorry, you're right, yeah, 14,000. That's right. I was reading earlier, it, it might have been outdated to 10,000, but when you said 14,000, my, my eyes just bulged out. Thank you for adding that. Uh, there's something that we can all do and to keep this on top of everyone's um, agenda, especially news organizations, human rights organizations, mm -hmm. and also our, our elected officials. Seppi, you're also, as I said, you know, you are a mayor pro tem of the beautiful city of West Hollywood, and uh, lots of things uh, have been, great things have been happening in West Hollywood, lots of changes, et cetera. Is there anything notable that you'd want to discuss? Sure. Well, um, uh, the most notable thing is we have, uh, we had an, uh, an election and there's going to be new council members that are going to be in office. Um, I will be vote. I'm next in line to be mayor. So the second, second meeting in December, there will be a vote and I expect that I will be voted to be mayor by my colleagues. And, Indeed. uh, January 6th is my installation and swearing in. So I just want to let you know, you're absolutely invited and, Anyone I was that just going to ask, yes, yes, I'll be there. Yes. Yeah, one thing I do want to point out is something that I worked very hard on um, that passed. Um, we had passed, and I think I've talked on your show about this, a multi-stalled gender-neutral bathroom ordinance that we passed in the city of West Hollywood. Um, after passing it, we found out that we needed to have the state change the plumbing code. So uh, myself and my uh co-sponsor of this bill, John Erickson, reached out to State Senator Ben Allen, and he brought forward a bill called SB 1194. It passed unanimously in every level of the state Senate and Assembly and was signed by the governor uh, a few weeks ago. So I am so proud that in my first two years in office, I already helped to usher in an incredible uh, state bill that was signed by the governor. And now 
every single local city can choose to pass an ordinance like ours. That's huge. That's huge. Congrats on that. Thank you. Um, absolutely. West Hollywood leads. West Hollywood leads in so many ways. And uh, that's being a progressive <laughs> and not staying behind. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very happy and I can't wait to come to your installation. <laughs> I've been waiting for it for years. <laughs> um, so uh, if, if you have anything else, any shout outs or call to action just in general? Keep getting involved, keep being involved. Uh, call to action in general. I think, unfortunately, we've seen that the um, turnout, uh, early turnout has been low, had been low uh, in this election. So uh, vote, vote early. We'll have another election in two years for president and for myself again. Uh, and so uh, we got to make sure that we're voting and using our voice. And um, so that's it. And I do want to give a shout out, actually, to all of the Iranian women all over the world who have really stood so strong despite being oppressed for so long. And it is incredible to see and I am so happy that we are recognizing women, life, and freedom. Absolutely, absolutely. The time has come. Uh, this is the time. This is the the year of the Iranian woman, and to have all of our solidarity. So we'll be watching and then listening to see uh, what the new developments are. But uh, thank you, Seppi, for being on the show, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Rick. Bye. That was my interview with uh, City of West Hollywood Mayor Pro Tem Seppi Shine, who will be mayor on January 6th. Uh, Seppi, thank you very much for being on The Blunt Post with Vic, uh, and I will chat with you again hopefully soon. The Blunt Post with Vic. Rafi Berberian is a photographer and historian in the Philadelphia area. He lived in Armenia for two years, participating in the Birthright Armenia program and working on personal projects. In 2017, he started working on a photo and research project called Armenia in Between. The project explores the lesser known sites of Armenia it believes can be important for the future of tourism in the nation that we call Hayastan or Armenia. Good morning, Rafi. Thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you. Yeah, same here. You're um, calling in from the East Coast. That's right, right outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, and how's the weather? It is, it's it's getting hot. It was cold. It was in the freezing last week, and now it's, now it's in the 70s and 80s. So that's the spring on the East Coast. It snowed last week, it, and now it's hot enough to go swimming. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, LA is usually about... 80s and 90s around April. Hmm. Yeah, so um, I was um, I was sort of fascinated to um, to to look at your work as a photographer, but especially your the exhibit that you have, if I can call it that, right? Is that a an accurate term? I guess, yeah, it could be. Uh, I actually it was uh, in Plovdiv in 2018, 2019, right before the pandemic. Uh, it was an exhibit. It was exhibited there at their Armenia festival. So it has become, at some point, an exhibit. I usually refer to it as a project, I guess. Right. I'm I'm specifically talking about Armenia in between your work, yeah. really showcasing not just Armenia and all of its um, 
beautiful, just stunningly beautiful uh, nature and uh, antiquity and uh, places to see and go and all of that. But uh, you have really focused on uh, the the places that are not the obvious, the places that are not sort of on your top 25 list or top 50 list, rather uh, those gems that are not known by, uh, you know, most people who visit or tour guides uh, and even sometimes locals. I think I know that you and I have talked about this, but sometimes even locals don't know about them and you've, um, you know, you've focused on that. But before we get into um, Armenia in between, uh, if you sort of want to give a rundown of your work as a photographer and uh, what's inspired you to do all of this. Sure. So um, I started photography probably around oh, over 10 years ago now at my university. You know, I did, I did a lot of different things. I did pictures of events, special events, sports. I did all types of things. And uh, after I graduated, I, uh, I wanted to continue doing the photography, but it was, it was a little bit tough. It was a tough time, uh, making money and being, you know, gaining that success. Uh, during that time, I, I knew someone at my church who was involved with the birthright Armenia program. And that's basically how I ended up going to Armenia for a year. I did the birthright Armenia program for a year from 2015 summer to spring 2016. And that's where I really, really gained my interest in Armenia and living there and really caring about it. Um, along the way, I did photography and some other work, uh, but that's really where I developed my, my photography eye and my, how you see today, how my photos are architecturally looking at, looking at sites and also historically looking, knowing what to look for and how to photograph them and really getting a full, a full perspective of everything that we see. Um, so that was my photography journey, basically. Um, the project itself came from wanting to see more and thinking that I did see everything already. I had went on a family vacation in 2013 to Armenia, the first time in Armenia. And that's where we did the two week and we got in the tour bus and we went to the Khorvirap and the Garni and the Gerhard and the Noravank and the Sevanavank and Yerevan in general. And that's when I thought that I had seen everything, <laughs> which was funny because in retrospect, I really hadn't. Um, so when I did go back again for that long-term year with Birthright and then the year afterwards on my own, that's when I was said, okay, why don't I know more? Why don't I know that there's more things to see? And then you just get on, get on Google, get on Google Maps and start looking around and zooming in on things and finding this monastery and that fortress. Uh, and then you find out that, wow, if I go to, if I drive to Tatev Monastery, along the way, 10 minutes from there, five minutes off the road, there's another interesting site to visit. And that's where I got in between from. It's all these places in between all the other places that you know mm -hmm. about. I like that. Yeah. Actually, my mom helped me think of that one. I'll give her credit too. <laughs> yeah. Very clever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those that are sort of listening 
Uh, well, first of all, let's let's sort of remind people. Uh, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK ninety point seven FM. I am your host, uh, Vic Jarami, uh, and I am speaking with Rafi Berberian, uh, who is a photographer who has an exhibit called Armenia in Between. And so, for those sort of not familiar with Armenia, um, you know, let's just give them a little bit of a background. Armenia is, is definitely one of the oldest nations, civilizations um, that we know of. It is sort of in the, in, the, in the plateau of the South Caucasus Mountains. That's why the region is called the Caucasus or South Caucasus uh, or Transcaucasia, sometimes it was called. And uh, it has and, uh, a lot of- and before the 20th century, it was known as the Armenian Highlands until, Armenian Turkey, Highlands until Turkey changed its name to Anatolia to erase the Armenianness of it. Yes. And uh, William Sorian, a uh, famous playwright and novelist, you know, one of his famous plays was called uh, My Hearts in the Highlands. Um, that's where his family came from. Uh, but I digress. Um, Armenia also has a lot of uh, significance in, in, in religion. Uh, and mythology and and such uh, religious, uh, you know, being the land where Noah's Ark landed and Mount Ararat um, and Armenia, the specific Christian denomination of Armenians is apostolic because two of the apostles of Jesus came to Armenia in the first century, uh, Tadeus and Bartholomew, to preach Christianity. Therefore, the Armenian church is called the Apostolic, Armenian Apostolic Church. Um, some refer to it as Gregorian church, and it's under the larger umbrella of Orthodoxy or Orthodox Church. And of course, Armenia was the first nation to adopt Christianity, a state religion in 301, uh, 11 years before uh, Emperor Constantine of Rome declared uh, Rome a Christian nation. So there's a lot of significance, there's a lot of history uh, and when you go to Armenia, you are transformed to this sort of this ancient land. And there's so much to see. And as Rafi was saying, there are fortresses from medieval times, but then there's also churches that were built in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh century. Uh, some are, you know, a little bit younger, they're Gothic, and some are sort of Renaissance period. Uh, some are newer, uh, they're chapels, um, all kinds of things. The, old, the world's oldest winery, was found in Armenia, as well as, well, the, the world's oldest shoe, <laughs> which yep. is, you know, actually in the same vicinity. So uh, there's so much to see. Um, but for travelers, it's also a, a really incredible nation for uh, adventure travelers and those that like hiking, uh, seeing nature, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a very diverse nation. It's a small nation, but it's very diverse. So, you know, this question is going to come, Rafi, as to what are your, what are your top three sort of gems that you really like from your list that most of us don't know about? So one of my favorite places, which I've only gotten to visit once, uh, and it was getting actually getting a little dark. Uh, when I got there, uh, was the uh, Tatevi Anapat, which is this monastery that is, so basically when, when you go to Tatev Monastery, which is one of the most famous Armenian monasteries, you have to take a, the Wings of Tatev, which is an aerial tramway, 
to get mm -hmm. from one from one side of the gorge basically over an, a hill and over another gorge to to the top of the mountain but along the way um if you look down you see this square structure the square walled structure in the middle of the forest and um it's my cuckoo clock uh, <laughs> and it's mentioned in the it's mentioned in the recording that's explaining things as it's going up oh here's tatevi anapad it's down there basically and everyone you can look at it and then that's the end you don't think about it again um that is it's one of my one of the spots that really embodies the in-between because you look at it you see it and then you just keep going but if you drive down that gorge and you take the 10 minute hike it's you it's not hard to get to and you could find this uh 16th 16th century monastery huge walls completely intact completely empty and it's it's just enchanting it's it's a place that that you everyone everyone every tourist that goes will see it but nobody will actually ever see it and wow. that's a place that i want people to be able to go to go look at and say well you got all the way you drove six hours or five hours to get to southern armenia to see this monastery and you're so close to that other thing why don't you should just go visit it it's really important in history and there's a lot of it was a major site back when it was founded and now it's just ignored um so that's one of the one place interesting um, that i don't know there's so many things in my head uh i really liked there's another monastery or it's a church I, it's kind of a it's a monastery but it might it's not much left to it um it's located it's the gregor lusaboricher saint gregory the illuminator church uh it's on the edge of the Kasach River Gorge, which is a large gorge uh, that's north of Yerevan. And famously, it has the Ohanavank and Sagmosavank monasteries, which I'll call them second tier tourism sites because mm -hmm. I've been there with, with tour groups before. So some people know about it. But this place is directly in between, again, directly in between both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, on the edge of the gorge and first off it's a beautiful view the gorge is amazing to look at and if you look right down the gorge on a clear day you'll have a perfect view of mount ararat um, and then to the left of the church there's a fortress the remains of another fortress uh, so it has two two things it has a church it has a fortress directly ahead you'll see mount ara uh, which is another prominent armenian mountains uh, there's Mount Aragatsis, which is the tallest one. And then Mount Ada is usually the one that it's easier to see from wherever tourists are going. Um, again, there's beautiful carvings. There's hotchkars in the field. You just have to look around and walk around the Armenian cross stones, beautifully carved. Not much left of the church. There's the vaulted hall is still there. And you can see where most of it was. But it's, it's, it was just another place that I really... You in the distance, you can see the other monastery right on the edge of the gorge, but you would never know that it's there uh, unless unless you looked at my project, I guess, because it's hard to find. It's it's on the it's on Google Maps. There's a there's a, a pin for it on there, but unless you're looking for it, you're not going to find it. Uh, number three, probably the uh, Havutstar Monastery. 
Habutz Tar is a monastery that's on the edge of the Khosrov Forest Reserve. Um, the Khosrov Forest Reserve is actually the oldest, oldest reserved piece of land in the world. It was created in the fourth century as a reserve for the hunting wow. grounds for the uh, uh, royal Armenian families during that time. And so that's where they would go hunting. They would have their own churches there. And it's where is that? Uh, so so part? This, is, this is where it's interesting. So if you go to Garni Temple, mm -hmm. which is top, top three Armenia tourist sites, right? and you know where to look, you can see this monastery in, up on the gorge on the other side of the gorge behind oh. the, behind the uh, temple. If you know where to look, you can see it. Oh, wow. If you don't, if you don't know where to look, it's invisible. Um, that's what, that's another reason why I really like interesting. It. You have to get permission to go into the reserve. You just call somebody and hopefully answer. And then you got to get back past the security without him trying to get you to sit down and eat with him or have coffee uh -huh. with him. Um, but yeah, you hike up there. It's like a, a 10, 15, 15 minute hike. Not hard to get to, but not from Godney, right? So, um, in Garni, there's a, a path, there's a road that goes down into the gorge, paved right. road, it's paved. And right. once you get to the bottom, there's some bridges, like little bridges that goes across the gorge and you drive back up the other side of the gorge and the entrance to one of the entrances to the reserve is there. And that's where you get out and you hike 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes to the monastery. It's a huge site. There's a big, there's a, a church up on the hill above the rest of the monastery. And then the rest of it is walled and there's three two other churches down below in that whole area um we were there and we saw someone doing a, a chicken sacrifice while we were there oh uh, yeah it was an interesting experience uh then they offered us to have a picnic with them so it, it's that's how our they're not is. they're not in use right the churches uh no they're all it's it's they're not active they're oh. all mostly they're mostly ruined yeah uh the walls the walls are all there, mostly mostly intact. The only thing that's missing basically are the roofs of the churches. So if you walk around the monastery for an hour or so, or you know, as long as you want, you could find all these little Armenian cross stones. You could find, you could look find the pedestals where the sacrifices uh, are traditionally done. Um, there's a, lot, a wealth of things to look for. And if you climb up to the hill at the top of the monastery behind it, you can see Mount Ararat, you know, it's, it's all right there. And again, it's only 25, 30 minutes away from Yerevan, the capital. It's not hard to get to. Yeah. Uh, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, uh, Vic Jarami, uh, and I am speaking with Rafi Berberian, uh, who is a photographer who has an exhibit called Armenia in between. Wow. Well, that's, um, just those three, you know, it makes you want to be there again and go visit them because I haven't, I haven't been to either one, any one of them. I've been to Gardeni, but no one told me that there was um, sort of, you know, two, three other churches so close by. Um, but before we go, uh, Rafi, if you can uh, tell people how to reach you, um, your website and such, and uh, sure. find all of this wealth of information. So I, um, I have my social media, which is Rafi Berberian Photography on Instagram and Facebook. And then uh, my website is Rafi Berberian Photography.com. Awesome. Thanks, Rafi. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
That was photographer uh, Rafi Berberian, who uh, really opened up my eyes because I've been to Armenia many times, but uh, there are many places that I've never uh, not only visited, but even knew about. So <clears throat> it's been a pleasure getting to know these places, and I really appreciate uh, Rafi's work on this. Uh, thank you for being on the show, Rafi, and, uh, and I hope to chat with you again soon. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible, and KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami. The Blunt Post with Vic.